0: Hello, my dudes. My name is Tiffany. Welcome back to my series, Internet Analysis, where I like to research and discuss things relevant to social issues and media. I've discussed what happens when YouTubers lose their relationship. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. (coughs) Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. (laughs) ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Ability and why some popular YouTubers stop uploading, so today I wanted to continue this discussion. What happens when YouTubers pass their peak? What happens when they're not relevant anymore? So in this video I want to discuss the psychological, financial, social, personal, professional impacts of the roller coaster that is being a YouTuber, especially as your job. First, let's discuss the psychological impact of fame and losing it. Many people dream of being famous. Imagine the money, the connections, the opportunities, the adoring fans. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a pop star like Britney Spears. Then a couple years later, I wanted to be a teacher. Then in 2007, I started my first YouTube channel and I've been making videos ever since. By the time monetization came around, my new dream job was to be a YouTuber. And many kids these days want to be YouTubers or TikTokers influencers in general. Now, is that a bad or harmful thing for young people? There's so much to be said about that, that I can't get into in this video. I think the closest thing we have to compare this to is the experience of being a child star, especially considering that many content creators become famous at a relatively young age. But these are not the only careers that have this kind of expected expiration date. For child stars, you have a limited time of being considered cute and precocious. For athletes, you only have your prime physical body for a number of years, and an injury could end your career at any second. For models and actors, you might age out of the industry by like 30, and then you're not booked for jobs anymore. Musicians, you might be a one-hit wonder, you never know. So especially I think as YouTubers, you'd have to be kind of delusional to think that you will be popular and relevant forever. We are all acutely aware that the clock is ticking, someday the sponsorship offers and opportunities will dry up, your views and likes will dwindle. How long will this last? And what are we gonna do when this career is over? That's what today's video is about, baby! And before I jump in, I have an exciting announcement, I am actually finally launching my Patreon! I've kind of talked about this, and I've been planning it for a long time. If you watched my video about why popular YouTubers stop uploading, I mentioned in there that Patreon can be a really great space to create a smaller, more intimate, tight-knit community, and then I realized, oh, I want that! So if you would like to check out my Patreon, there are all of the different tiers and benefits listed there, whether you would just like to financially support because you like my content, by the way, thank you so much. If you want any kind of bonus content, I'm gonna be doing some behind the scenes videos and like responding to comments, things like that. And I'm also gonna be doing monthly live streams on certain tiers. So again, if you would like to check out my Patreon, please do, the link will be in the description. I am just so excited to be able to get to know more of you because you know, the comment section can be a busy place. I would like to connect some faces to these usernames. And again, whether or not you would like to, or are able to contribute to the Patreon, I appreciate you so much just for watching this, so my endless gratitude, thank you for the attention. As we're talking about in this video, I know it's a limited resource, so I appreciate all of it. (laughs) So let's get back into it. Fame. How does being well-known affect people? Being any kind of famous or even popular can make you develop a massive ego. You kind of get this falsely inflated self. Even if you wanna stay humble, it can be so hard to when you have thousands of people telling you you're talented and special and different. And after a while, you'll probably have a constant need for validation. You'll crave approval and attention. Despite the constant praise, you may even become insecure. You'll have this nagging worry in the back of your mind, When is this all gonna go away? How can I prolong this fame, my relevance, this income? Eventually to stay sane, you have to separate your celebrity self from your authentic self in order to protect your perception of yourself as a human person rather than a brand or an image. But even that can make you feel bad because then you feel fake or two-faced. And of course, for influencers, the line between brand and self is even more blurry because your life is your content. Your content is your life to whatever extent. Inevitably, you'll start to tie your value and your self-worth to your performance. How many followers do you have? How many likes are you getting? Relevance is relative, and it's also subjective. Someone can be massive in one corner of YouTube and yet completely unknown by other YouTube viewers. What is dream? I don't know. But now millions of their fans may hate me for even asking that. And in mainstream or traditional spaces, it's even more distinct because very few YouTubers are household names and usually the ones that are, are kind of the worst. So anyway, as a creator, your own relevance is based on your audience or community's perception of you. You might assume that a creator is the most relevant when they hit their highest subscriber count, but they probably feel the most relevant when they're growing the fastest. When a creator is on the rise or blowing up, they might be considered very relevant in their genre at that moment. They're the hot new thing. The algorithm is in your favor, you're gaining way more subscribers than usual. Maybe a lot of other creators are starting to watch you and recommend you. Congrats, you're relevant. For now, at least. Unsustainable growth. Whether you have a thousand subscribers or 10 million, creators have always been able to tell when their channel is doing well, or average, or not so great. But the YouTube creator studio really cranked the pressure up to 100 with brutal, in-your-face analytics that are practically impossible to escape or ignore. This tool is supposed to help creators see what works for their channel and what doesn't. It ranks your last 10 videos, comparing how many views they've gotten in a certain time period and other metrics like watch time and average view duration. Number one videos, get virtual confetti. Honestly, the high rankings can feel so satisfying for a minute and the low rankings can make you literally want to quit YouTube. The Creator Studio encourages constant growth. Ideally, every video would be ranked one out of 10, meaning that each video is performing better than the last, but that's just not sustainable. If you're not always improving, you're doing bad. It's a flop. By the way, Amanda Mariana made a really great video about this and how focusing on these kind of metrics can really interfere with your creative process. So check out that video if you're interested. The frustrating thing is we individually adjust to higher and higher numbers. Like a few years ago, if my videos were averaging 10,000 views each, that would have been amazing. But now if one of my videos only hits 100,000 views, it's a flop in my mind. It's so warped. Your channel is dying. Let's discuss the downward slope of the roller coaster that is YouTubing. Again, we all know that our popularity won't last forever, but still, it's very hard to accept once it starts declining. YouTube channels typically die a slow, painful death over a number of years. At first, your growth will stagnate, then maybe your views will start dropping, maybe you're getting less comments, less engagement than usual, but hey, maybe it's just a bad month. Then you realize you're no longer gaining subs each month, and actually, every time you upload, you lose subscribers. Now, again, because YouTubing is a roller coaster, it's normal to have slow periods or even times of negative growth. Your social blade can be in the red, bad. But we can always turn things around, right? Like, this has happened before things were slow, and, and then we got that one video picked up by the algorithm, and things were great. Aside from all of that, I think the creator studio and our high expectations for ourselves can really warp our perception of what success is. And not just for creators, but for viewers as well. Let's say a channel is averaging 100,000 views per video. That's a successful channel, right? Well, our perception depends. If that channel has 50,000 subscribers, that's amazing. But what if they have 5 million subscribers? Now that 100,000 views seems low. Kind of embarrassing, actually. I think many of us still look at that view-to-subscriber ratio, even though subscribers really don't make that big of a difference on YouTube, aside from like, notifications, hit that bell. <laughs> I'm not good at that call to action. But anyway, a low view-to-subscriber ratio makes us go, oh, dying channel! Now I want to mention Sarah Hawkinson, who made a really great video recently about what it's like to expire on YouTube, that's how she put it. She's been on YouTube for a long time, she's had her ups and downs with her channel, And her video came out as I was in the middle of writing this one. So I was like, thank you, very relevant. But also I've always loved Sarah's videos. I've been watching her for years. And I think it's just a really graceful response to reaching this point where she's ready to take a step back from YouTube for the first time in a long time, which is, it's a big move. And then the videos that I wanted to do, the ones that I had fun doing, were not favored by the algorithm, and they were not favored by you, the viewers. And that's okay. I can't ignore the fact that people liked my videos more when I talked about controversy and negative things, and I don't want to do that anymore. Again, I have a beautiful small community of you that are so supportive and I love you so much and I'm so grateful and I'm not trying to focus on the negative. This is the reality and I have other things that I would like to move on to in my life and I feel like this is the one thing that I need to sacrifice in order to do that. Embarrassment, shame, denial. Regardless of how high your peak was, it feels shitty to be past it. If your videos are underperforming, you're losing subscribers, you may feel like, or be seen as, a flop, a has-been, irrelevant, old news, a dead channel. Yes, this is the negative self-talk that I tell myself if I even have a video that I slightly dislike, so, very healthy mindset. And if you're doing whatever you can to stay afloat, you may be called a sellout, or desperate. YouTube is a public platform, so it's not just how you feel about yourself, it's the awareness that other people can see what you're doing and how you're doing. There can be a lot of shame and embarrassment involved, or self-consciousness. And again, if you have tied your self-worth and value, personally and professionally, to these numbers, once they start declining, how you feel about yourself and your work starts declining, you start devaluing that. It's not just that your channel is not doing well, you're not doing well. I can say personally, if I post a video that is not my best, I know that maybe it's not the best topic, or I could have done something different, I feel like shit. I call myself a flop on a weekly basis. And that's something that's really hard to deal with. It sucks to to have that negative self-talk and to not feel confident in your work. I think my thing is, like, I want my subscribers to love every video that I make, and think that it's thoughtful, or at least thought-provoking in some way, interesting. And so if I think that I have made something below those standards, then I'm just like, wow, you're a disaster, a disgrace. So maybe I should be nicer to myself? Let's discuss the financial impact. We traditionally imagine that careers should have a steady upward trajectory. You keep working hard, you're gonna get promoted, you're gonna get raises you're gonna earn more money over your lifetime of your career. Now, of course, it's become increasingly rare for people to have this situation where you work one job your entire life, work your way up the ladder. It's a lot more normal these days to change jobs or industries, but I still think we envision the idea that we should earn more money as we get older. For content creators and influencers, you may earn the highest income of your entire life, during your teens or your 20s, which is a double-edged sword, because on one hand, hell yeah, you're making money, on the other, you're peaking early. And this is similar to other careers, such as acting, modeling, pro athletics. If you peak in this way so early on, it can feel like the rest of your life is gonna be meaningless or not as important or significant or impressive as you were when you were young. And also so often we see those like trashy, clickbait articles that are like, Look at these famous people who went from riches to rags, from billionaire to bankruptcy. There's definitely an element of schadenfreude, that sick satisfaction watching other people crash and burn. So anyway, let's get into the money. If you are ever lucky enough for YouTube to be your full-time living, that's amazing. Earning money from AdSense, sponsorships, affiliate income, things like Patreon. Many of the most popular YouTubers flex their wealth, as we've talked about, flex culture. They buy cars and amazing homes. And side note, I'm personally invested. How many people are going into debt to pretend like they're rich, like faking it till they make it? That worries me. But many creators do have a lavish lifestyle that they can't afford at some point when you're making 10, 20, 30, $100,000 a month. But then, as your channel becomes less popular and you're making less money, how long can you still afford that? Can you sustain that? At what point are you now overspending? When it comes to a dying channel, the immediacy of that financial impact, when you start really feeling it, depends on how high your peak was. Like, were you making $50,000 a year or millions? obviously there's gonna be a big difference in the amount of like wiggle room and flexibility you have as your income starts declining. And again, channels die slowly over the course of years typically, so you do have time to make adjustments to your lifestyle. It's not too abrupt usually, but if you were barely making ends meet before at your peak, you're not gonna have that wiggle room when your income starts declining. Something I find really interesting is like, when I hear people calling certain YouTubers, you know, a dying channel or a flop, A long-time creator can still be incredibly successful, earning a lot of money, still have a solid fan base, but be considered a flop, just because they're not as successful as they were at their peak. But like, objectively, you could look at them and be like, hey, you're making six figures, you're doing well. I often wonder, what happened to that YouTuber I used to watch five or ten years ago? What happened to all the OG YouTubers from like, before the 2010s, or all the lifestyle girlies? What's up with them? One example I want to share is Glozell, who is an OG YouTuber. I think I actually met her at VidCon one year. She has recently been opening up about her financial troubles after being super famous online. For a while, she was making a ton of money. She was very relevant and she felt like the money would last forever. So even as her income started to drop, her spending was still very high. Eventually after 12 rounds of IVF and an expensive divorce, she was in $200,000 of debt. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Learn how to manage their money before it's too late. And by the way, I hate to single out Glozell, especially because she was one of the first hugely successful black women creators on YouTube. When I was searching for like YouTubers who have gone broke it's pretty much only her who's been speaking out about this experience and being transparent. So first of all, I appreciate that so much. We need a lot more transparency because I know that this experience is not rare. She is not the only one who has gone through this. And at least in sharing this experience, maybe she can help other creators not get in the same situation. Or she can help other creators who are in the same boat not feel as ashamed or embarrassed about going through the same thing. So shouts out Glozell. We are rooting for you. I do worry about all of these young YouTubers and people who are getting so much money so easily and they do expect it to last forever. If you keep your lifestyle manageable and you live below your means, yada, 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 you'll be in a good position. Acting like I'm the financial diet or something. When YouTube slows, do you stay or move on? Deciding when to leave YouTube, if at all, is very hard. Do you wait until you have to leave because you can't financially support yourself with YouTube alone anymore? Or do you leave when you want to because there are other things that you'd like to pursue? Of course, it doesn't have to be all in or out. You can stay on YouTube in a more casual way. But I think first of all, it's important to ask, are you even enjoying it anymore? Because yes, once YouTube turns into a job, it's very easy to like forget that that's an option. But that is an important and valid question. Is this something you actually wanna be doing, because there are other things in the world. Does this bring you joy and add value to your life? Aside from just the income. By the way, there have been tons of great discussions about like not dreaming of labor on YouTube lately. So many good videos. I think it's great to not glorify our jobs and expect that our work alone should fulfill us. So even being a YouTuber does not have to be amazing all the time. It's not going to be amazing all the time. No work is. But as with other jobs, especially if you're in a privileged enough position to have the freedom and flexibility to change jobs, just a reminder that that's an option. I think sometimes, even despite all the stress and downsides of being a YouTuber, I think that many of us... Once we're in this position, we feel like we are so lucky, and this is such a rare opportunity, that we almost feel like this has to be the pinnacle of success, that nothing in the world could ever be better than this, or that you could never work a different job and be happy. But that's not true. So now I wanna specifically talk through these different options of what you can do, whether you decide to stay on YouTube, or if you would like to leave. Stay on YouTube as long as you can. For this section, I wanna highlight Graveyard Girl, who is kind of now known as the epitome of a dying channel, thanks to Trend Dawson's series about trying to save her channel. Bunny believes that she peaked in 2014 in video views and just how she felt about herself and her content. Her peak in subscribers was actually, I think in 2018, she got near 9 million subscribers. So, as explored in the Glorified Vlogs series, Bunny had gotten very popular, especially for her videos, testing out As Seen on TV products. Does this thing really work? And she kept doing it over and over again, she would get tons and tons of views, so it became her thing. In the series, she was given the advice to kind of expand her channel, change things up, get a little more personal and open with her viewers, to try to promote that growth. And I hadn't really checked up on her since that series, which came out a few years ago, and she is still doing pretty similar videos. She's still doing those, does this thing really work videos, Vlogs, car stuff, she's got her sippy sippy. It's classic graveyard girl. After she was kind of given that second chance, and she, in a lot of people's eyes, didn't take the opportunity, she didn't do what he advised her to do. Some people have been kind of frustrated and calling her boring, like, why doesn't she change? Why is she still doing the same thing she did five, six, seven years ago? And she said, basically, her life and her interests have not changed, so her content hasn't changed. And it's funny because I kind of had that same reaction when I went back to check on her channel. I was like, come on graveyard girl. Why aren't you changing things up? You've got to, you know, do something if you want to survive on YouTube. But my friend Catherine helped me question that when I told her about this. Like, why am I having that reaction? Why is it not just okay for her to continue doing what she wants to do? It's her choice to be on YouTube. It's it's her choice to make whatever content she wants to make. If viewers want to stay or go, that is also their choice, but that's the, the name of the game, I guess. On the other hand, if you do want to adapt and evolve, how can you revive a dead channel? How can you pursue a comeback? Typically the advice that we're given on YouTube is that you always have to keep changing because YouTube changes and the audience changes and so you've got to change, you've got to adapt to stay alive. You can't keep making that same boring stale content forever. I mean, honestly, you will probably have this loyal group of followers who will watch you no matter what and actually you'll probably have viewers who love that old content. Sometimes viewers don't like seeing creators change, because they like what they used to know you as. But typically, when it comes to the advice on how to grow your channel, that is the recommendation, that is the advice. You've gotta change things up. You've gotta look at what's trending, what's popular, what styles of videos. I found a great example of a creator that has had a pretty awesome comeback, and that is Wheezy Waiter. Wheezy Waiter is another OG YouTuber. He's been making videos since 2007, and I watched his videos starting like years ago. His peak was between 2010 to 2012, and he used to make daily videos. Very impressive. They were less than five minutes long, but they were very absurd. Like, absolutely nonsensical. I just loved them. But after years and years, his channel was starting to die. The views were going down. Craig made a video, how he saved his channel. Basically, he adapted. He realized he wanted to start making longer videos. He wanted to do work that involved a lot more time and research, so he couldn't post daily anymore, but he was gonna focus on quality over quantity. And in the past few years, he's kind of been specializing on these like, curiosity videos, like asking questions, why do people like this, or what happens if I do this for a month? He got 11 million views on his Avoiding Sugar video, so that one went viral and definitely helped jumpstart his channel, and with this new series and this new format, his new viewers had a lot of stuff to continue watching. And this content isn't reinventing the wheel, it still includes a lot of his classic Craig humor and a little bit of absurdity. It's smart, it's funny, but also and importantly, the titles and thumbnails are very searchable and they're usually pretty trendy kind of topics. So that is good for growth. There are plenty of success stories like Wheezy Waiter. It is definitely possible to have a comeback and on YouTube, you know, again, highs and lows, peaks and valleys. It is always possible to start growing again, or at least reach a new audience, whether you would like to change your content, or maybe some new people will just come see what you've been doing all along. Throughout my YouTube history, there was a point, I think my sophomore year in college, where I was close to actually quitting YouTube. But then things changed, and I got new subscribers when I studied abroad in France. And then my channel slowed down again, because I was uninspired. And then actually, starting Internet Analysis, accidentally, became the new revival of my channel, and that has been, like, everything out of my main content for, like, the past three years now. So you never know if you might stumble upon a new idea that could change everything, even an old time YouTuber like me. Next option, you can change your platform or focus, if you would still like to stay on YouTube in some capacity, but maybe not stay on your main channel. As I mentioned in the white, popular YouTubers stop uploading, one strategy that's pretty common lately is for creators to kind of abandon their main channel in favor of their vlog channel. Again, your most loyal viewers, the people who are most dedicated to you, are probably Probably gonna be most interested in that kind of personal content. Another trend is to switch to podcasting, or at least supplement your YouTube and Instagram work with podcasting. There are a lot of benefits to podcasting, especially if you have a co-host, it can just be a lot more relaxed, and the formats is nice and predictable. For a lot of creators, I think it's easier to sit down and record a podcast with a friend than to make main channel content. Then we've got things like streaming on Twitch, which has become increasingly popular. Everybody's streaming these days. Finally, when it comes to leaving YouTube or the internet completely, get a regular job? What do you mean? Among YouTubers, there can be this kind of fear or rejection of the idea of getting a regular job. It might be that we feel like we're too special, too creative, too free to work that nine to five or service job life. And full-time YouTubers do get used to a lot of freedom. You work for yourself. You get to dictate your own schedule, your own time off. You're probably earning a much higher income than you would be at a typical salaried job. So, I don't think I've even mentioned this yet, but yeah, being a YouTuber is a very rare and very privileged position. Let me always emphasize that. Another aspect of this fear is that for some YouTubers, this literally has been the only job they've ever had. This is the only way they've ever earned money. Some literally don't know what it's like to work for minimum wage. And that can definitely warp your perception of what work is and what hard work is. YouTube is work, but it's a very very different form of work than minimum wage jobs, service jobs physical labor, customer service, retail. I wanna give a shout out to Jonah Green. Jonah is a YouTuber that I've known for many years now and he became like a famous YouTuber as a teenager. So he moved to LA, he lived that classic young YouTuber lifestyle. Eventually he pursued acting, he did it all. Hello, I am Jonah Green and I used to be a full-time YouTuber. So when I stopped doing YouTube videos, I got a job at a coffee shop. And in the YouTube community, especially uh, when I moved to la getting a regular job like working in a service job was like the most shameful embarrassing thing that you could do and i think that says a lot about like the attitude of people that were in like the the teeny bopper youtube space that i was in at the time but it also says a lot about the level of privilege that i was living under because i did not have to work a regular job. I didn't understand the value of money at the time. I would just like make a video and do a brand deal. And even though I didn't like have a lot of money, I knew that like, okay, well like I can always just get more. And so like when the money stopped coming in, it was like, oh, this is like, this money was valuable. And I like should have understood how to save it. (laughs) I've watched Jonah's evolution over the years. And I really appreciated him talking about these things because I feel like he addressed the anxieties of being a YouTuber and having this kind of decline that so many people are ashamed about and don't want to address. So I really loved his openness and I loved hearing about the next things he was always doing, always different projects or just different regular jobs. I always liked hearing about his philosophies and any wisdom that he got from that. It was cool to just see someone be open about that evolution, those changes. And also, by the way, I feel like we don't talk enough about how having a regular job can provide so much more stability than being a YouTuber. Like having structure and a schedule and like, Health insurance, those are great things, great perks. You get to clock in, clock out, not worry about how your views and likes are on youtube.com. Also, specifically, many other ex YouTubers get a job in a related field. Understandably, many content creators wanna use the skills and experience that they've cultivated in a job perhaps in digital media in some form. For example, Casper Lee has co-founded multiple companies, including an influencer marketing company and a talent management firm. Some YouTubers end up pursuing other creative things, like music, we have Troy Sivan, the icon, Dodie, Tessa Violet, You also have the option to go back to college, or go to college if you did not go, because many influencers, YouTubers, especially if they're very popular when they're young, they may choose to hold off and not go to college during their peak popularity because they want to take advantage of the opportunities, and maybe when things slow down, it makes sense to go in the future. Also, by the way, Grace Helbig is currently working on her master's degree. She hasn't like quit YouTube or anything, but I think it's really cool that she is going back to school right now. Finally, in conclusion, losing relevance is not the end of the world, and it can actually be a good thing. I wrote this video and wanted to think about it because this is something that's on my mind all the time as a YouTuber, tick, tick, tick. Every time I post a video, I'm like, hmm, Is this gonna be the flop that ends it all? And again, it's not a very healthy mindset to be in, it sucks when the downsides of this job can get to you, or just like, being too in your own head, and forgetting that this should be a relatively fun, or freeing, or enjoyable experience, though it is also work. But one interesting thing that I found in researching this video is how often creators talk about, you know, being past their peak. But they talk about how it's actually made them happier, because they're not as stressed, there's not as much concern and pressure about making everything amazing and fantastic. It's like, they just get to enjoy doing what they want to do. You don't have to worry as much about algorithms, or what your audience is going to think, or what if people unsubscribe? Fuck it! If people unsubscribe, that's fine, they can do that, and you don't have to worry about it, you don't have to take it personally. It makes sense that people including your viewers, will grow, and sometimes people grow apart, and sometimes that means, you know, they're not gonna watch your content anymore, and that's okay. To be able to get to the point where you can post and just vibe, just be chilling, and not worry about how many views it's gonna get, or how much money it's gonna make you, is great. So, whether you're doing YouTube as, like, just a part-time gig for some extra coin, or if it completely reverts back into a hobby, like it was when you started YouTube, that is just pure fun. There's no pressure, no strings attached. To get to the point to be like, who cares if I'm relevant? Why should I invest so much energy and emotional weight into something that is inherently fleeting? To end, I just wanna read some tweets from the iconic Charlie McDonald, who is an OG YouTuber. He went by the name, Charlie is so cool-like and he stopped making videos a couple years ago. This is part of his thread. I have essentially quit the YouTube thing, which is weird because it's been a part of my life for so long, but it's also been a very healthy choice for me. It's helped me to learn that my value as a creator and as a person can extend beyond being Charlie is so cool like. Turns out that tying up your perceived worth with your level of success on a website is a very bad idea. I have found myself much happier creating things that don't need to have my face on them in order to exist. I find it helps to pick your own metrics for success, rather than blindly following the prescribed ones. For me, that was putting depth of connection over sheer amount of it. I always strive to make what I wanted to make, algorithms be damned." And I think that's a good note to end this on, if you are a YouTuber, regardless of the size, just remind yourself that you can pick your metrics of value. You can decide how you want to perceive your work, and your worth, as a creator. We don't need to subscribe to this idea that we always have to be chasing for more views, more subscribers, and that if things dip, then somehow you're worth less. No, that's not true. The funny thing is, a lot of times, a creator's best work, or what they enjoy the most, or the things that impact the most people, the, the deepest, are not their most viewed videos, they're not their videos that made the most money. Note to self. Thank you guys so much for watching the whole video, I appreciate it so much. And once again, if you are interested in checking out my Patreon, go see those tiers, go look at those benefits. That means a lot to me. I appreciate all of you. By the way, tonight I do not have any small channel shout outs. I do have more people on my list for next time, but um, it's so late and I just need to stop talking now. <laughs> Stay tuned for a future internet analysis video. Okay, thanks, bye.